right, so welcome back. This is the second episode of the uh, Shades of Green podcast. My name is Bryant Williams. I'm the co-host. I'm the uh, Ed McMahon to Juanita Garcia's uh, Johnny Carson. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm Juanita Garcia, and I'm excited to be with be here with uh, Q and Blackwell and Larry Jackson of, of Chicago Eco House. Welcome. Excellent. Yeah, well, we're glad to be participating in Shades of Green. And, uh, you know, we're definitely excited to sort of talk about, like, sustainability work and the stuff we're doing here in the neighborhood of Inglewood. Okay, cool, cool. So, um, just to start off, so, um, tell us exactly what Chicago Eco House is and how you guys decided to get started with it. Well, uh, Chicago Eco House is a uh, nonprofit here in the south side of Chicago, uh, in the Inglewood neighborhood. Um, And, you know, in terms of uh, what we do, you know, we really believe in sort of using sustainability as a solution for like a lot of the inner city problems. Um, it, it, Larry and I, we actually met via Craigslist. Yeah, um, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a couple of years ago. And we, we actually started doing a podcast and then kind of just talking about, you know, different issues and things like that. And he was coming down to Inglewood already, uh, volunteering at uh, Team Inglewood. I started coming with him and then... I mean, one night we were watching a movie, and then the, the rest is history. Cool. What, <laughs> was the, um, what was the podcast? What was it called? It's called Roommate Chatterbox, because uh-huh. we were both uh, roommates at the time, and we both liked to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed that about either of you. Yeah. <laughs> is it still out there in the ether? Can we find it somewhere? Yeah, or? We'll have to leave it. Up yeah, there. It's, still, it's, it's still out there on YouTube somewhere, you know. Okay. Not for, a- not for long. Probably be uh, moving it. Okay. <laughs> I looked at a couple episodes, or I looked, like a, I looked at an episode, you know, recently, and I was uh, like, wow, man, we really uh, really come a long way from those days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so cool. So you guys um roommates, and then you start decided to uh, started talking about sustainability issues and working at Inglewood, Teamwork Inglewood is an organization based here in Inglewood. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the what's the catchphrase? Something good in Inglewood. Good in Inglewood. Good. good in Inglewood. Okay. Yeah. Hashtag good in Inglewood. Right, right, right. I see the hashtag. I see the hashtag. A lot of um, Chicago Eco House uh, social media and stuff like yeah, that too. So yeah. that's kind of like a thing of Inglewood. Like Rage told us about it. Hey, if you take any pictures, kind of you know, so everybody can follow that. Okay. Kind of same string and stuff like that. So is. Is Chicago East Eco House? Are you guys officially associated with those organizations? In any? No. Okay. Yeah, we're our own independent five hundred one c three. Okay. Um, you know, we are based here in the neighborhood. Um, as you alluded to, it, we work with Team Inglewood High School and Urban Prep Academy on sixty third and Stewart. Okay. Um, so yeah, we are our own organization. Very cool. Very cool. So tell me a, a little bit more about um, Chicago Eco House itself, the vision, um, how you guys just started to get started. Just how you did take the steps to get started and all that good stuff, you know? Well, like as Larry was saying, so like, you know, one night we were watching a Cupid Good Jr. movie about the chess clubs uh, in uh, Baltimore. Um, and I guess like, you know, some guys got the idea of turning abandoned houses into these little chess club houses mm-hmm. so that kids could have after school activities and, you know, they like competed in these competitions and things like that. So we are thinking like, well, hey, why couldn't we sort of take a similar concept but just use it for sustainability, mm-hmm. hence the eco house. So, you know, really like what our vision is, is, uh, you know, there's really three tenets to it. Um, and that's sustainable agriculture, sustainable housing, and sustainable uh, um, energy. Um, and like really what we want to do is really take the assets here in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. mainly vacant lots and vacant properties, and leverage them, uh, you know, for creating jobs mm-hmm. and 
sort of revitalize the neighborhood while also sort of building out things in a way that's going to be sensitive to the environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In terms of us, like, actually starting, I mean, Larry is actually, like, the guy who, you know, was, like, getting our paperwork going and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, yeah. you can speak a bit more I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was it was kind of a hard road, you know, I mean, yeah. doing it for the first time and not knowing what was going on, just yeah. kind of figuring out what paperwork you need. And we kind of got uh, help from a, a lawyer. So, like, me trying to do all the paperwork and then him coming in and offering us free free labor oh, cool. was awesome. Yeah. So it only took us about eight months to a year to oh, get wow. on five hundred one three C. Yeah, that is pretty. And we had a. Pretty I mean, fast. that was pretty fast. Well, in the government too, they uh, they started doing a program where nonprofits that were had a budget under a certain amount, they kind of pushed them through. So I think that kind of helped the other nonprofits kind of get through a little faster and stuff like that so okay. yeah, yeah we had to like do a, a pie in the face contest to raise our initial yeah, raise, um, <laughs> it was $800 to apply for it so we did a pie in the face contest where all the board members got hit oh wow you okay I thought I you were just joking <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 yeah, yeah, pie in the face wow. yeah yeah no we actually yeah we actually did one and then you know a couple board members went out and people at my job <laughs> hit me in the face and some people just didn't want to do, uh, do the pie thing they just donated out of their so that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And we did, like, public places. So, you know, I got hit in the face, you know, at Buckingham Palace or our, our fountain and, yeah. you know, like, down in Wicker Park, you know, yeah. during rush hour, you know. Oh, wow. So, yeah. you know, it was, uh, it was pretty fun. You know? It was pretty fun. Yeah, one of our members got hit in the face uh, at a at a huge uh, 5K down on, uh, like, Lakeshore Drive. Oh, wow. Her and her family were out there. And they were <laughs> <laughs> people are running by. I pied him in the face in the middle of the Walgreens. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. very cool. So, yeah, it was a good way to, it was a good fun way to kind of raise raise money. Yeah, so, um, so if, if I remember properly, you guys currently have a garden over on 62nd and Stewart? 63rd and Stewart. Well, and, uh, technically 61st and Stewart, but yeah. Okay. And then, and that's in conjunction, you guys, so tell me a little bit about that process. So, you know, so... Of acquiring the space and yeah. building it out. Yeah. Um, so last year, you know, we were trying to find a space because, you know, like we want to sort of build out a farm first because that's sort of like the lowest hanging fruit, um, you know, from where we're starting. Because, you know, we, we always started with zero dollars and we didn't really have any like big time connections or anything like that. Um, so, you know, we're really just leaning on our faith to, uh, you know, that guys sort open up opportunities and things like that for us. Yeah. Um, you know, so like as, uh, you know, we're getting to know people, uh, one day, uh, this guy mm-hmm. named Delmon uh, Drummond, right? Yeah, Delmon yeah. Drummond. Like, he approached you? About- uh, yeah, he approached me about, uh, you know, the, the school. And then he had a teacher that was working in the school that uh, needed some help building out a space across the street from the school. So mm-hmm. he said, hey, uh, you guys should, you know what I mean? Start at Urban Prep. At, at Urban Prep. Urban Prep. Oh, yeah, okay. so one of the okay. teachers at Urban Prep knew Delmon. And he was like, hey, we have this program. They're doing aquaponics in the side of the school. Mm-hmm. The kids would love to build out this garden that they tried to build out last year mm-hmm. and kind of washed away with the winter and nobody's taking it on. So mm-hmm. it would be good for you guys to connect with these kids. And after that, I mean, like you said, Faith and actually leaning on our alderman. Yeah. So we went to go talk to him and he granted us the... Uh, Which one? The because line. we Alderman Cochran. Okay, alderman Cochran, yeah. yeah. So the 20th. So we're, we're, we're covered by the, the, the sixth ward. No, six he's twenty. He's, he's six. No, no. Uh, here, I thought he's twenty. Mm, I thought he was. Yeah, Cochran's twenty. Yeah, he's, he's twenty. 20. Yeah. yeah I, it's. I think six together. That's why I asked because you know it's so many aldermen. Yeah, Inglewood. there's like six aldermen representing Inglewood. Yeah, you know, yeah. different yeah. pieces. Of the name, yeah, right? Lopez has like the northwest. Yeah, he's fifty. Yeah. 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 So. But yeah, so you know, so like it's actually nice as Larry was saying because it did sort of give us an entree into the alderman's office because the year prior to that. 
Baldwin granted uh, a, reprep, a, a lot to turn to a garden, but they didn't have the resources in place mm-hmm. to sort of build it out. Yeah. You know, so by the time we, uh, you know, came along to help them with the project, um, you know, it was essentially their project was essentially, you know, dead in the water, which is yeah. why they're like looking for another organization that can really help them with yeah. that. Um, and for us, like it was a great opportunity for us to sort of demonstrate um, you know, like our vitality, you know, yeah. in the neighborhood and to the school and stuff like yeah. that. So, um, we started with that first vacant lot. Um, and you know, within a couple months we, you know, built it out. You know, we grew a bunch of stuff. We grew, you know, arugula, lettuce, tomatoes, corn. Okay. So peppers. was that was that the summer twenty fourteen, is that right? Twenty fifteen. Last year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so now twenty sixteen, going into twenty sixteen, you guys are getting ready to get started. We are started already planted. And yeah. I think you're working with, um, you got the a group of 32 students oh, yeah. yes. that are working School. with Yeah, we're working with 32 kids from, uh, well, 16 from Team Inglewood and 16 from uh, uh, Urban Prep. Okay. And also working with the Gardeners to run the actual program. So we acquired the lots and they're kind of running the program. Okay. Showing the kids how to build out the boxes. And we, we actually got another lot that's on the next corner, okay. which is like four times or five times the size of our original lot. So right. Where are you getting materials for these uh for the for the uh, planters boxes, well, like so in the first place, we actually grew in the ground mm-hmm. because the soil was you know good enough to grow. Okay, awesome. Um, the second, our new space, we're actually primarily growing flowers. Okay. So yeah, we we did a soil test and you know like the lead levels were too high. Okay. Um, so we decided not to grow. Uh, you know, make that space primarily for flowers instead of food. But we are doing some raised mm-hmm. beds. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really just began the 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 wood for the raised beds from. Uh, I see her. Because it's me. Right? It's all right. It's all right. It's where we put an RX plug, right? Of course. You know? <laughs> Sponsored by the Rebuilding Exchange, 1740, 1740 West Webster, open Tuesdays through Sundays. <laughs> all your gardening needs. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we uh we actually are getting we got our wood from a uh, a rehabber who just had like a bunch of excess uh, scrap wood oh, from nice. like the project he was doing, so he's yeah. willing to donate that to us, you know, free of charge. Yeah, keeping it circular within the um within the community. I like exactly that. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. so yeah, as you know, like things we've talked about in terms yeah. of you know trying to do it on a larger scale. Sure. But yeah, you know, yeah, definitely, you know. Of course, when you got a guy like Brian who's in your ear, you know, you're always thinking about reclaimed materials oh, instead of, of buying brand new, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so why Inglewood? Like, you know, so, I, I mean, I, I have long, I've got deep, I've got roots in Inglewood. You know, like, my, both of my parents were born and raised in Inglewood, and I've moved around the city, but, you know, like, my, this has always been my home base, more so than the Calumet region, you know. Um, but, like, you're, if I remember properly, Keelan, you're from Wisconsin originally, yep. right? And Larry, you're from you're a West Sider originally. Uh, well, yeah, I I grew up on the South Side, so like 39th and Persian Road, so like. Oh, uh, but still uh, on the low end, you know. Right, like, right, yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, I mean, Keelan just started coming down to Inglewood. I mean, there was a lot of problems down here. I was yeah. you see it on the news. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? So this was the most hard hit neighborhood. So we kind of try to get in while we can and try yeah. to help stuff out as it kind of progresses and things like that. So. Yeah, I like that. I like that because yeah. I mean, a lot of folks will look for other neighborhoods that are you know little easier to get into and stuff like that but you just jump right into the trenches where you well, saw I don't think need, we you know? knew exactly what we're jumping ourselves right into. I mean we didn't know <laughs> yeah we're I mean, just this was, this was I mean I mean I'm from the city so yeah. I mean it's not it's not as bad but I mean um, yeah just kind of 
going in not thinking about what's going on in the neighborhood, just thinking yeah. about our mission is, I guess, the the thing that drives us. Yeah. And you been? Do you feel like you've been getting a lot of support from? Uh, you know, you mentioned the alderman and um, the partnership with um, uh, Teamwork Inglewood and Urban Prep. I mean, do you feel like you're getting a lot of um, a lot of partnership or a lot of cooperation within the neighborhood or? Well, I mean, yeah, working with the yeah, working with the schools definitely helps. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting, you know, when you kind of talk about doing work in the inner city. Yeah. Um. So like one of the things that I think like you know we found is that you know there's really lacking of leadership mm-hmm. in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, and neighborhoods like Inglewood, you know, yeah. both on the south and west side of Chicago. Yeah. Um. So what ends up what we found is that you know a lot of the people here. Um, you know, I was a hard hit neighborhood and there's really just a crisis of faith in terms yeah. of, you know, believing in anything optimistic just yeah. because like so many people who put themselves up as leaders have let people down. So, you know, there's really, you know, a lot of jaded folks. And yeah. So, you know, we, so because of that, we wanted to like work with the young people because, you know, they're still a little more open yeah. and haven't had some of those negative experiences. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, uh, you know. Uh, work at the high school that's actually like helped us to really build relationships mm-hmm. with a lot of students mm-hmm. um and then like so the neighbors start noticing you know the kids coming out there every day and which is pretty unique by the way in a place like you know Inglewood because usually when you see you know like a farm being built out you know it's usually just predominantly white people who yeah. you know are helicoptering in and yeah. you yeah. know yeah not name yet well I don't know I don't know how, I don't know how we, real I can get on this podcast, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are words in there? We'll keep it, honey. I let my, I let um, Juanita, she'll make the final call. <laughs> so, you know. But, you know, like, there's other, you know, organizations yeah. in mm-hmm. urban ag and in the sustainability space where they're not really based here, but, you know, they have an operation yep. here. So, you know, for people to see, you know, like their own sons and daughters, you know, come out there three days a week for two and a half hours, you know, building out raised beds and building, you know, planting seeds and things like that. Like, it's really been a, you know, positive uh, impact. It makes a difference. I mean, it really does. You know, you see it. I mean, it's basic biology, like, likes, like, you know what I mean? Like, you want to be around people that look like you or you feel more comfortable with people that look like you sometimes. I mean, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, even with at the, at the rebuilding exchange, I had a situation where this woman came in and she was trying to, you know, she wanted to argue us down on our prices and stuff like that. So one of, um, one of the, uh, sales associates asked me to speak to the lady. And when I came over and she's like, Oh, it's a black lady. She's like, Oh, you know, you're the manager here. You, you know, I was like, yeah, I am. So she's like, Oh, okay, fine. I'll pay you. you know, and I was like, well, why'd you all change when I came down? She's like, well, it's good to see someone like us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So oftentimes right. we'll go into our community and people will come. Like, again, I'm not going to name names, but you'll see a lot of organizations within Inglewood. They, and, you know, the lowest level employees are people from within that neighborhood. Right. But the managers the and the coordinators and the executive directors, you know. Right, don't represent don't, exactly. African-Americans or Hispanics, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah, And especially, too, because like, you know, since we live here, you know, mm-hmm. like, they'll see us around like, the Aldi's and, yeah. you know, like, I'll have, you know, people I'll be walking, you know, to Walgreens and be like, hey, you're the guy at the farm, right? Yeah. yeah. I see you over there with the kids. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's me. <laughs> yeah. You know, you live here? Yeah, I live here, you yeah. know, and people are, like, kind of surprised by that. Because, yeah. you know, you feel like the African-Americans who are, you know, involved in the neighborhood, many of them don't live here, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So that's actually, like, one of the things that we wanted to do try to be different yeah. is, uh, you know, we wanted to, we feel like if we're going to maximize our effectiveness and really just be, you know, operate with any level of integrity that we have to yeah. practice what we preach and sort of live amongst the people who we say we care about. 
Yeah. So do you guys, I mean, do, do either of you, um, is this your first foray into the um, sustainability space? Like, if I remember properly, you have a background, Keelan, in... Um, in biofuels. In biofuels, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, we'll, maybe we, we might even cut that out and have a separate conversation about that because I'm very interested yeah. in biofuels. Um, we, like I mentioned, next car is a bio... <laughs> biodiesel. Got to get it going. <laughs> what about you, Larry? Do you no, know? I didn't even know what sustainability meant two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's, still, it's still up in the air right now. It's still <laughs> up in the air right now. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, no, I I mean, going to all the meetings, like the first year, I mean, I hit it hard. I was at every meeting and all types of things uh, with Juanita at the, you know what I mean, at the meetings with uh, uh, the USGBC and places like that. Just kind of learning like the the lay of the land and like what's going on with sustainability, you know what I mean, as a culture, like how people view it. But I think a lot of people kind of view it as like you know it's like expensive like to be sustainable yeah. is expensive exactly. so right. they kind of right. shy away from it and it's like but it's kind of sometimes kind of inconvenient you know like even yeah. like I was reading an article on um, putting stuff in plastic bags like that's yeah. not even like like you would assume that's like oh then no they're like no don't put the stuff just throw it right in the garbage can like yeah. if you're gonna throw it away you yeah. know stuff like that so I mean yeah sustainability is has a huge I mean it's a huge you know I mean definition of yeah. what we can do but it's going to be I mean sustainability is a lifestyle you know what I mean everybody right. Right. lives it day to day yeah I don't know what do you think Juanita I mean like I, I think people have you know they put they say stand, it's sustainable or it's green and then they jack up the price on it yeah, but you know like it should be a, you know it should be a savings associated with right. it right there's this this degree of um, greenwashing on products and and procedures and it it ends up getting sort of lost, um, you know. I I I was actually not to not to uh, upset people in the free trade uh, that believe in free trade, but uh, you know, I was at a at a meeting with a group that was talking about free trade coffee, and uh, you mean fair trade, uh, fair trade. I'm yeah. sorry, fair trade coffee, yeah. and we're we're they were there, and it was a faith based group that was. I had no idea how much coffee is consumed by places of worship. Oh yeah, um, you know, and I mean, it's, oh, it's, that's, well, that's, that's funny. That's funny too. But I'll let you go ahead. But, yeah. and, and, you know, <laughs> and, and and you know, I hadn't thought about that and how they're major consumers of of coffee and how much these organizations had moved towards fair trade, buying fair trade products whenever they could. But you know what? This one woman talked about her church and and their argument uh, for fair trade ended up being opposing the green group, the sustainability group. But you know, the thing is you can't buy locally made coffee or locally grown coffee. It just doesn't exist. You can have it uh, locally roasted, but it just, it doesn't grow locally. And, and, um, and also there's a little bit of a misunderstanding of what green can mean. And the fact is, you know, we live in a global economy and, and, you know, just, Recycling and there's a lot of misunderstanding about what green means mm-hmm. and there are a lot of trade offs. Yeah. You know when you think about materials versus mm-hmm. um, versus processing of materials and and sourcing it and so it's a very loaded loaded understanding of sustainability and yeah. and you know but what I love is you know your understanding innately of you know of sustainability in your community and understanding that you know very innately 
about as the sense of community, even though you know it uh, it can be uh, it can be uh, it can be a little distorted sometimes. So yeah, yeah. So speaking of locally, like so you guys are so you've got the um, or producing food locally. You guys have a garden where you're growing food. Now you have a second lot where it's more of a placemaking garden. No, it's uh, we're gonna grow food there. We're also gonna grow flowers. We oh, okay. We'll CSA for flowers, and we're oh, gonna really? try to use that to, uh, to for revenue. Cause so the the guy from the Gardeners, he's one of the founding uh, guys from Gardeners, Adam Zimmick. Okay. He has a friend that was uh, uh, doing it in Champaign, like down in uh, uh by um, University US, of Illinois. U of I. Okay. Yeah. Um, ILL. And he had a lot. No, no, I, no Illinois grants here. No, Wisconsin grant. Yeah, so I guess he had a guy that was doing it on a, just a regular size city lot, and he made like six thousand dollars in one season off oh, of crap. growing uh, flowers. So we yeah. had like four times the size. So we're gonna see how that whole thing works, yeah. and just use it for revenue for the uh, for yeah, the program. house and the program and stuff like that. Yeah, that's an interesting project. I'm proud of. I mean, or process. I don't think I'd ever heard of anyone doing the CSA with flowers that's that's pretty yeah, cool because the reason that we're doing it with flowers on that lot is because uh the the, the soil yeah, yeah. So the lead levels I mean nobody's gonna eat the flowers right so, right right you know maybe we can grow the flowers yeah, and like you know what I mean so yeah yeah and I mean there are the in, intro to bio and phytoremediation I mean like there's some plants um some plant life that will leach some of the metals off so you know you might be able to research and identify different flowers that will leach some of the um the the lead lead out of the soil or you know who knows it's just always possibilities um <clears throat> so do either of you two have do either of you two come into this with experience as farmers like you know do you well i mean i no not really i mean i was in peace corps for a couple of years okay so you know like i was in thailand and they're mm -hmm. heavy in the farming industry. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, so, like, you know, I was, like, stationed in a village where, yeah. you know, they were doing a lot of farming, but <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I mean, I would try and get in and help where I could, right. but... Yeah. You know. I had never used the lawnmower before. I'm <laughs> from the city, so you know, right? my yeah. first uh, my first experience was with a lawnmower, and I had like uh, three foot grass with just a regular <laughs> lawnmower, just cutting stuff with one blade, just cutting stuff down. Oh wow! Burned out the burned out the lawnmower. We got videos of it. So you know what I mean, like, we tilled our own lot. For the first time, I mean, it was yeah, it was crazy. So how do you? I mean, would you? What steps did you guys take to to um? go into urban farming did you did you research it do you have like do you have mentors someone that you can go back to yeah. to well we, we we have mentors i mean i, mean, I think like people that ask questions i don't know if it was yeah. a mentor i don't right. know if it was somebody that was like hey you need to do this do the whole process it was just people yeah, we, that i know that okay just like hey so we definitely do bootstrapped it okay right. yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah so hey what do i do like you know what i mean like even the the lead the lead testing I, yeah. we didn't know anything about lead testing but i talked to somebody at the um uh, Windy City Harvest. Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh -oh. yeah. and uh, at Windy, at Windy City Harvest, and they gave me the information on like how to get the, the how to get the soil tested and different things like that, and like yeah. what levels should you be looking for, like what's the uh, the uh, I guess the tolerated amount of lead and soil that you can eat food from, like yeah. who to keep it away from, kids, yeah. you know, moms that are pregnant and, and things like that. We had the guy from Loyola who came down too. And then we, yeah, we did have the guy from Loyola, their uh, Environmental uh, Institute of Sustainability, that new oh. thing that opened up. His name is, uh, he, he actually used to work with the people from Windy City Harvest. His yeah. name is Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, yeah. is it Erickson? Because he runs, yeah, he runs their, um, he runs the, 
He runs the whole. Th- yeah, he runs the whole thing. Yeah. So, and I actually went to aquaponics class with uh, Andy from Windy City Harvest. Oh, okay. He cool. knows that guy. He talked that okay. guy about okay. you know. So I mean, there was a lot of people that I kind of reached out to and just took small information from and tried okay. to tried to use it. But then when we got the lot, I mean, it was like. This is a lot of space. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. so now, I mean, so given that you did a lot of research in aquaponics and you, you know, like you, you have an outdoor lot, so it's, you know, not really a good mesh. Have, right. are you, have you been reaching out to other or other groups to? Well, actually, the teacher in the school does aquaponics. So, like, the teacher that we reached out to the first time. Oh, I gotcha. He okay. was doing aquaponics and he was using, he was teaching the kids about aquaponics and taking his buds or taking the uh, the seedlings outside to plant those seedlings. Gotcha. So okay. that's what Very he cool. wanted to do the first time. So, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I guess once we get a, a building or a space, we'll use the, the knowledge we have of aquaponics and use the people that we have to uh, kind of help us build the aquaponics system. Because, I mean, I got in my email from going to that class, I have the diagrams to build out an aquaponics system that's the size of a two-car garage. Nice. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you can scale it however you want it, but you just have to have the materials and the and stuff like that. So. so so the idea is that you guys will eventually have your own, you know, have your own buildings, right? So the, is that the eco house? That's the, that... that's the eco house mission to okay. have, you know, to, to reuse these and repurpose these buildings in a neighborhood that are going to be condemned or and this, like and this house, you know, the house that we're in, I mean, just so your audience know, we're sitting in my property. It's a to flat graystone here in Inglewood, yeah. um, recently renovated. You know, yeah. we have nice uh, bamboo wood floors yeah. downstairs, uh, natural brown. We have bleached white floors upstairs. Um, oh, all the bleaching. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But again, so, doing some good in Inglewood. I mean, you're rehabbing properties, putting them back, you know, like investing right. within the neighborhood. Yeah. But this was like a good, you know, like I feel like our property is like a good sort of trial run for, yeah. Yeah. you know, like us building out the eco houses because there's definitely like a lot of nuances to acquiring mm-hmm. properties, particularly in the inner city, mm-hmm. that, you know, you really aren't aware of until you actually go through the process. Right. Um, you know, so unless you're, like, cash rich, um, you're really in a situation, especially for us, because, like, you know, it's just me and my wife who bought this property. Right. And, you know, we're in a situation, or you're in a situation where you're competing against, you know, these wealthy investors or sort of these corporate developers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, many of these guys would just sort of buy properties and sit on them and yeah. just, you know, land bank these yep. properties until you know, one day things magically turn around Mm -hmm. and then they just kind of like want to, you know, sort of collect, you know, on the wealth then, but they're not really putting any investments into the neighborhood. So you kind of got a situation where you look at all these vacant properties and it seems like it's wide open. You know, it seems like, well, you know, anybody should be able to come and buy because, you know, there's really not a lot of activity in the market. There's not a lot of homeowners. But then we actually start to go through the process and you realize that, oh, wait a minute, just because something's boarded up doesn't mean it's available. Right. You know, and then when you do try to go to properties that are available, mm-hmm. you know, they sort of put you through the, the ringer. You know, the banks mm-hmm. are obviously, you know, feeling a little, they're a little more nervous when it comes to doing rehabs. Yeah. Particularly in their city, just because like the, uh, you know, the real estate values are a lot lower than right. other parts of the neighborhood. Right. So, you know, for us, we're fortunate that the numbers worked out, but that's actually like one of the impediments of doing uh, de- redevelopment in the, in the inner city is that, you know, if you, even if you are someone who wants to rehab a house mm-hmm. um, and you have good credit, you have good jobs, so on and so mm-hmm. forth, but if the uh, mm-hmm. mom money that's needed to rehab the property exceeds what the average real estate values are in your neighborhood, yeah. you know, the mm-hmm. bank's going to deny it. Yeah. So, you know, there's just like so many different things. I mean, you know, there's this, I don't know if you know who Tim Hefner I don't know if you met him at all. I, I do. I know Tim, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Tim Heppner, you know, he's like Mr. Greenhouse himself. And, yeah. you know, he actually has, like, 
arguably one of the greenest houses in the entire Chicago region, yeah. down in Chicago, or uh, uh, South, South Chicago. Chicago area, right? Yeah. And he was saying, I've been to his house, it's beautiful, um, you know, he's got everything, got the rain gardens, yeah. the solar, uh, thermal solar panels, and... Yeah, yeah even the way the house is positioned, it yeah. takes in more light on, in this, the fall, and I mean, he, he told us the whole spiel. Yeah, right. it's, like, it's, it's like a mixture of um, lead design with passive house, exactly. with, you know, living buildings, um, challenge systems, and all right. that kind of yeah. stuff, yeah. So, so like, this is a, this is a immaculate house, basically. Yeah. But because it's in South Chicago, yep. you know, it's only valued, it's only appraised at, like, $50,000. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, all the comps in his neighborhood are short sales and foreclosures right. that were at, like, 30, 40, 50 grand. Right. So, you know, that's one of the things that people mm -hmm. don't realize when you come into these kind of markets. Right. Which is one of the reasons, too, why people who do decide to uh, redevelop a property, they rent it out. Yeah. That's really the only way you get your money back. Yeah. You know, so because it's really hard for you to get equity unless you sort of find a micro bubble like we're, we're at here because you know, we're building the whole foods here. Yeah. And the Starbucks and Chipotle. You know, so you find like a little micro bubble where, you know, it's kind of on the rise. There is some development. Mm. So for us, we have equity in this property yeah. just because we were in a nice, you know, little spot. But yeah. for most parts, like you go to West Singapore, it's not going to be like that, you know? Right, yeah. right. So that's actually um, something that I'm kind of interested in. So, you know, you look at the Inglewood neighborhood and, you know, you've got the uh, the Inglewood Trail coming in. You've got right. the Whole Foods coming in. This is part of, you know, like, it, it seems like I see, I'm see i seeing a lot more Dibby stations in Inglewood. Right. Yeah. They even just, just started that. Like I was telling you, like that, that one by the Green Line that you guys probably passed by on the mm -hmm. way here is just here. And they have, I mean, they have a couple that they're positioning they even they've been if you go down Halstead yeah I mean a little bit further north they've yeah. been building out new bike lanes and stuff like that so yeah. I mean, it's kind of transitioning and kind of turning yeah, as we speak so. some of the signs of gentrification possibly is that's what you know like this, this we're beating around the bush and not saying it I mean like so is that part of the reason why you guys thought it was important to live in the woods so right. that, you know, like, as a way of protecting against being pushed out of the um, neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, like, a big part of our mission is sort of creating a safety net, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, now, for, for us, we definitely feel like gentrification is more of an opportunity than a threat, mm -hmm. you know, because the plus side of gentrification is that, you know, it definitely brings in more attention, mm -hmm. more resources, mm -hmm. you know, um, it makes it easier to, say, get donors, or mm -hmm. it makes it easier to, you know, uh, talk about having someone, you know, uh, invest in rebuilding properties right. and things like that. Yeah. So there are like positive aspects of gentrification. Mm -hmm. but you know, where right. do those people go? Exactly, exactly. They move them out of the neighborhood. Right. So it's just going further south or north to create another bad neighborhood. Right. So I mean, it's it's more about fixing the problem in the current neighborhood. Yeah. And then to, you know, I mean, gentrify and move them further south or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, how do we get here in this neighborhood? Right. I love which, that concept. You yeah. know, I mean, right. which neighborhood you got gentrified to move these people to this neighborhood? Or, I mean, it could have been just this is how this neighborhood was built. And, you know, I mean, yeah. it, you know, it goes back. But. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's the removal of resources, really. That's what tears down any neighborhood. You, know, right. you, look at South, you mentioned South Chicago, you know, for generations that um, it was a working class neighborhood that was powered by um you know like that, that was powered by the steel industry and the manufacturing industry <laughs> those jobs were sent overseas and you know like right. the the um uh the the uh yeah, right. u.s steel clothes exactly right. right the um uh un the unemployment rates skyrocketed in those neighbor in that neighborhood right you look at back of the yards and so on and so forth it's happened so many times in different neighborhoods and then what you're left with is 
you know, in the immortal words of Talib Kweli, all you see is crime in the city, you know. Right, so right. Which, you know, so really what you guys are trying to do with Eco House is bringing resources to the neighborhood. Right. Um, training people with, giving young people skills where they can get employed, you know. So, yeah, they, I mean, it is, you know, you are kind right. of protecting. And we kind of see it, too, as, like, you know, all we can do is give people an opportunity. Because, you know, I mean, the reality is not everyone is interested in, you know, self-improvement mm-hmm. or, you know, trying to work a job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like one of the things that, you know, we kind of talk about here on our block is it's amazing how day in and day out you'll just see a bunch of guys over there across the street hanging mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. you know, with nothing to do, just kind of chilling, hanging out, you know. And, you know, there are some cultural issues that mm-hmm. we need that need to be addressed. Right. So, you know, that's one of the things that I think, you know, see like with our our after our you know after school program mm-hmm. um you know like trying to like sort of keep kids coming every day trying yeah. to like teach them the soft skill like there's a lot of stuff that you know you and i would assume that 15 or 16 year olds should know right you right. know that, <laughs> that they just don't know yeah. you know so it's kind of like you know you're kind of like fighting on two battlefronts right like on one front or one front it's you know sort of you know the gentrifiers are coming and okay. you know they're looking to sort of flush everybody out and bring in their people yeah. Um, but you're just trying to like sort of maximize as many employment opportunities as you possibly can so that yeah. you can sort of give people who live here, uh, you know, an opportunity to stay here if they choose. But at the same time, you know, if, uh, you know, if people aren't prepared for those opportunities, you know, then we can, you know, like all our work would be for naught because, uh, you know, we have to take into account that we're talking about a lot of people who really never worked a regular job, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or they were, you know, just sort of hustling on the street and, mm-hmm kind of had like a street culture in them so um you know there's definitely like a lot of different challenges that we're you know trying to work through yeah yeah can you talk a little bit more about that like vision you see for i guess opportunities once once you're thinking about buying properties and redeveloping them and remodeling them and uh a little bit about like that vision and how you see that happening yeah so you know in terms of real estate i guess to kind of take a step back (laughs) um so you know a little quick story. If you look at like when the slaves were first freed, right mm-hmm. after the Civil War, uh, there's two things that they said that they would never forgive their masters for, right? The first one was sort of you know denying them the ability to read, right, so mm-hmm. literacy, and the second thing was denying them the ability to own land, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So you know when you sort of fast forward to now and you look at like the history of African Americans in Chicago mm-hmm. and in places like Inglewood, mm-hmm. um, you know, and Brian, I'm pretty sure you can talk to this as well. But, you know, back in the day, like, you know, these properties, this neighborhood wasn't all black, you know. Yeah. Like, 50, 60 years ago, this was a German neighborhood. Yeah. You know, um, and African-Americans had to fight tooth and nail to get these properties. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we had to overcome redlining and, Mm -hmm. you know, all all these other sorts of, like, you know, banking issues and realtors sort of uh, steering us away from communities like this. So you sort of look at, like, that generation who first came here in the late 50s, 60s, and 70s mm-hmm. um, and, you know, really purchased a lot of properties and really sort of helped to, you know, get African Americans to that position of home ownership, mm-hmm. only to sort of have it, you know, that rug pulled from beneath yeah. us in yeah. the 80s and 90s, yeah. you know, with the crack epidemic mm-hmm. and, you know, followed by like, all the gangs and things right. like that. Right. So you sort of had general... So, you know, like, one of the things that we've noticed is that, you know, you have, like, these homes that were owned by that generation of African Americans mm-hmm. who first came in here, right. but then their kids sort mm-hmm. of dropped the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, so, oh, I know. I, I'm just I'm co-signing. I, <laughs> I, I agree with you entirely, man. I mean, like I've used those exact those exact same words. You know, like somewhere around, somewhere along the way, there was a generation that just like you know forgot they didn't pay attention to what 
the previous generation went through, or they just didn't install that next gen, instill in that next generation any you know any of those ideals and such. You know? Right. So like part of revision is actually kind of trying to like take it back to that point, you know, prior to the ball being dropped, right? You know, so like there's a legacy in the neighborhood. There's a legacy, you know, in the African American community and you know on the south and west side you know, of African-Americans sort of, you know, owning these homes and, mm-hmm. you know, even like sustainability. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, once again, as Brian can talk to, a yeah. lot of our grandmothers and grandfathers were gardeners, you know, because yeah. we have to keep in mind, like, they came part of that migration movement from the South. Do sound you know. Point, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> talking to you. Yeah. We, again. Right. <laughs> I had just, I was just in a, um, I was just at a uh, Loyola University. I was given a, um, presentation in um one of their uh, environmental science classes like uh, and you know i was just given the opportunity to just talk about environmental justice and how the southeast environmental task force and um you know uh, the rebuilding exchange kind of address it deals with and i um, brought up dusable you know right and um my my concept of dusabling and you know i can't tell you how many there were so many you know white kids especially in that class from chicago they had no idea who he was. They didn't yeah. even know his name. And I was like, you know, th- and that's the thing. That's a problem. I mean, like, yeah. we, you know, we're, like, we don't have an ownership of our things and our, our, our culture, our history, you know. Right. So, and, we're, and those things that we do have, they're not being passed along. They're not being taught, you know. Right. Who's Ida B. Wills? You know, she's exactly. just as important right. as Susan B. Anthony. In my opinion, she's more she's so right. because it's much tougher for a woman of color to do these things. People are celebrating Hillary Clinton right now. What about Shirley Chisholm? You know, there would be no Hillary Clinton if not for Shirley Chisholm. You know what I mean? Shirley Chisholm was the very first woman, very first woman of color to run for president, unbought and unbossed. You know, that that's her saying. But yeah, like, so I'm sorry, I'm pontificating again about some issues that I'm very, uh, very passionate about. But well, I but it's good. It's good in terms of like fleshing out the larger context. Yeah. So right. I feel like sometimes, you know, those of us who are practitioners of sustainability mm-hmm. look at sustainability in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, we just want to geek out about, you know, mm-hmm. the latest like architectural design or, mm-hmm. you know, the latest food systems. And we kind of forget that, you know, these are things that are part of a larger story, like yeah. a larger right. cultural historical context, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, and really, like, there's a lot of things in sustainability that we think are cool now. Yep. That's, you know, us reinventing the wheel. That's been know? done for years. Right, right. it's been done right. done for centuries. It's yeah. Right. Sense, you know? <laughs> and we've lost it in a generation and right. regaining that. And, yeah. you know, yeah, sometimes it's, it's looking to new ways and seeing innovative ways and sometimes it's just looking back on our history yeah. and and thinking about those processes we can really reclaim and maybe make more efficient but yeah. ultimately just looking back on our history and yeah. and those processes that made sense for centuries yeah. exactly right <laughs> and, and and you know also the city catching up to support some of those things you yeah. know like um or you know you talk about urban agriculture and it's always done in the backyards you know but um, and, and there's there's some municipalities that will find you if you you know if you try and have a native garden or if you have a um, edible garden in your front yard you know which I'm yeah. sure would you know which you know you guys probably given your yard size here it's something that you probably might want to try or you know right. um, the city of Chicago just started allowing for um, you know like permitting people to have chickens in their yard you know like sure you. For years, for generations, people have done it, right. but like they could get a ticket for it. But now you could finally, you know. So now the city is finally catching up with some of these processes and things that we've done for years 
to be supportive of it. You know? um. and, uh, so we're um, <laughs> full disclosure, full disclosure. You know, Larry and I both uh, are both family men. We've got our kids here. <laughs> <laughs> those sounds that you're getting in the background, <laughs> you know, those are our kids. You talk, tossing those in for free if you want to donate. Where can we find um, Chicago Eco House on uh on the social medias, on the uh, on the Twitter machine and whatnot. Yeah, just uh, Facebook and then it's like slash Chicago Eco House and then same thing. If you if you uh, search Chicago Eco House on Twitter, you'll find our page. Okay. And stuff like that. Yeah, so I'll I'll track down links Instagram. to them. Yeah, and Instagram. put them on. Uh, yeah, we yeah. have it too. I mean, the links to it are in our emails and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, we can forward the emails and stuff like that. So. Um, couple questions really quickly. So, um, where do you see Chicago Eco House? five years from now because I know you both you know I know you both have um, full time jobs as well yeah. but do you see um, Chicago Eco House one day becoming a full time job for you mm-hmm. you know well that's a, that was our goal yeah. you know yeah. onset uh, outset yeah okay. that's still our goal right. okay yeah right. so yeah. and uh, I, I mean we're just yeah we're just kind of going through things now and seeing if we can flush it out some good programming and you know I mean just trying to sustain the the nonprofit before we talk about getting ourselves jobs. I think yeah. that's a lot of uh, right. a lot of nonprofits do that, yeah. and they say, "Oh, well, let's get the administrative stuff done first. <laughs> so funds for the program before funds for you know, what I mean, to pay us. I mean, right. that's kind of why we kept our jobs and stuff like that. I think okay. we can. I mean, we have enough time to you know kind of do both and be fine. So, well, yeah. we also like want our model to be sustainable. So, like one of the things we don't want to be is dependent. Upon grants and donors, yeah. So you know we are the social enterprise uh, model that we exactly, yeah. Yeah, So we really believe in sort of implementing a social enterprise model where we can sort of take like like as Larry was mentioning. So you know we're selling flowers, you know, on our farm to help you know subsidize our program. We're also gonna get into the composting space and sort of build out composting operation to you know also to sort of you know serve the dual purpose of deferring some of our costs while also you know selling it because you know compost is pretty pricey you know um and we're also now getting into coffee you know where we're selling that free trade or fair trade uh you know warehouse brand coffee yeah oh through um csa as well or well that would probably sell just straight to market like one of our uh, board members works in the food service industry oh okay so yeah she's uh got us some you know pretty decent contacts oh awesome so you know so for us it's like definitely trying to you know have more income generation okay where we have like flexibility with it with our funds to you know use it how we want to and our time doesn't get consumed with like you know fulfilling requirements for donors and grants and things like that yeah yeah that that part that hustle Mm -hmm. can take up a lot of time away from the mission right So, um, I guess with the food you're producing, the, you know, um, where's that getting sold? We don't sell food. Oh, you don't? Yeah, so the food is donated to church food pantries uh, or okay. consumed by the students and their families. Awesome. Um, and, you know, part of why we're not selling food is because, like, there's really just not, the margins aren't there. Sure. You know, when you're competing with, like, Big Agra and the subsidies of corn and soybeans and things like that, yeah. it, you know, makes it very difficult for, yeah. you know, as you guys know, like, with... I mean, urban as part of our bag is as big as it could be, right? You right, know, right. it's because we're not fighting on a fair playing yeah. field. You know? <laughs> yeah, I um, I heard Will Allen say um somewhere that you know, in order to really change the the industrial, you know, like the the massive industrial complex that is the food industry, we would have to have fifteen somewhere in the range of ten to fifteen million urban farmers start farming tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know? so, 
Well, not even tomorrow, but like earlier this season. Yeah, exactly you know? right. Because exactly. exactly. we got a plant, you know, like, so it's got to grow. <laughs> so, um, uh, one other. Did you have one other comment? I'm sorry. I, I think. Well, I, I was just gonna say that, that, like, you know, in terms of like into your question, in terms of where we see ourselves five years yeah. from now. Mm-hmm. So we were already trying to build out models that can be easily replicated. So like the thing that we're doing at the school, you know, like we believe that's something that could be replicated at any inner city school that has vacant land around yeah, it, yeah. which, you know, sort There's of plenty in Inglewood. Right, yeah. exactly. And beyond, you mm-hmm. know. Um, West side too. So yeah, West Side, you know, Detroit, Baltimore, you know, you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing for the Eco House. So, you know, like, we, so like our whole strategy mm-hmm. is, you know, we sort of pioneer a prototype first. Mm-hmm. And then once we work the kinks out of that prototype, then, you know, the, the next step is to really, you know, sort of pollinate it as far and wide as we possibly can. Was, so. that, was that a farming joke there? <laughs> 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 so, with, yeah, with that being said, uh, um, unless, unless uh, you know, the Chuck D to my flavor flavor wanted to throw Chuck D to else. my flavor Yes, I am a sidekick. <laughs> we're, um, we're, I think no. we're going to um, wrap it up. Yeah, I think, I think that's it for now. I'm, uh, um, I'm excited to see where... Where Eco House goes and and to see the uh, you know the season and what you get to do so I'll definitely um, add links on the blog to your your social media sites and so people can catch up too and I'm a subscriber to your newsletter so maybe we get some more subscribers to your newsletter yeah all right excellent. <laughs>